Hi everyone, I'm Mike Novogratz and this is Next with Novo. All right, friends, another episode of Next with Novo. And today, actually, Novo's the guest. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of kidding around about that. I've got my head of research, Alex Thorne, who is a deep in the weeds crypto enthusiast. Uh, and we decided we'd have a conversation trying to help decipher the state of the world here in the, in the crypto sphere. It has been a brutal few months. And so... I'm going to pass it to Alex to kind of run the conversation and try to shed as much light as we can. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me on. I think we're calling this segment the state of the union, maybe the state of our markets. Um, I think it'll be a good quick conversation on sort of where we are in a market cycle, how macro and crypto are interacting. Um, and I just want to kick it right off with the first question, which is from your perspective, you, you're a longtime investor and builder. And, and a longtime follower of markets, can you set the backdrop for what markets look like for us today, just broadly speaking, I mean, even outside of crypto? And where is all this pressure coming from? Yeah, you know, I was being interviewed and I started singing from Beauty and the Beast, tale as old as time. <laughs> I wish I had a better voice. Um, <laughs> this is a tale as old as time. We had a asset bubble fueled by the Fed. And... If you were Shopify or Zoom or Spotify or you name it, any growth stock, uh, Peloton, people jumped on the story and there was a speculative mania. The same happened in luxury watches, in baseball cards, uh, basketball cards, and in crypto. And Bitcoin as the lead lead horse, you know, traded as high as 69,000. Um, but lots of other cryptos took off. And I remember when COVID started, I said, oh, it's a perfect tailwind for crypto because you've got Bitcoin as this unique digital asset, 21 million Bitcoins, and it is a perfect salve to printing money, right? Bitcoin is a hard money ethos that was based on Satoshi's fear of populism. And we had populism, pay for everything. And I thought we also had the digitalization of everything, right? Microsoft CEO famously said we were doing more in four months than we thought we'd do in two years or something of that length. Right. And so the stories were really powerful and people bought in and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so when the Fed got hawkish, when Powell finally got reappointed, right, Powell stayed dovish far longer than he should have, wanting to get reappointed, uh, human uh, fail, uh, frailties, I guess, or foibles, right? You know, people love to hold on to power. And then he des decided he needed to save his reputation and needed to save the economy from raging inflation and got very hawkish. Um, we have an inflation problem in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, it's starting to crack. Uh, but as he was re removing liquidity from the from the the markets, all assets started to fall. NASDAQ, growth stocks, stock, and, and crypto started to fall. I, this whole year, thought crypto could, or Bitcoin could hold a 30,000, 50,000 range. And where I say tells old as time, when we got down to 30,000, uh, first because of the UST, that caused credit. Um, we had this collapse from 30,000 to 19,000, where we are today. 
And that was the tale as old as time is that the CFI players in crypto, Celsius, BlockFi, Three Arrows, Genesis, uh, big balance sheets had taken far more leverage than I think people understood. And you had a credit crisis. And that credit crisis impacted every player, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and it dented confidence. I got a call yesterday from a wrestling friend who had lost lots of money in crypto and then was like, but you know, all my coins are at Celsius. I'll get my coins back when I, and I was like, I'm not positive, but my gut feeling is you'll get nothing back for the next three years and then you'll get 20 to 30 cents on the dollar back. And that's where we are today. We are, I think 70, 80%, 90% through the deleveraging process. I think there are some big counterparties that still need to get recapped. You know, knock on wood, you're, you're seeing FTX, Sam Bankman Freed recapping uh, BlockVi, and so those consumers won't lose their money, uh, and there's some keep some confidence in the system. Celsius, like I said, I think will file. I don't know factually. Um, putting up the gates is almost the same thing as filing Chapter 11 in some ways. Um, yeah. And we'll see the rest. You know, uh, I don't want to speculate on rumors on who's going to do what, but... It feels like the big guys that need to get capital will because they have other businesses that are sustainable. Uh, and that should take the panic out of the system. And then it takes a while to rebuild, rebuild narrative, rebuild confidence. Ironically, crypto worked pretty well, right? You know, DeFi worked, people got liquidated. It was transparent. There were a few blemishes, right? Bancor try to change the rules uh, on their impermanent loss feature. Um, yeah, Solend on Solana. Yep. But for the most part, mm -hmm. you know, most of the protocols did what they were supposed to. Um, and the irony is it was the non-transparent, you know, traditional companies on top of crypto that got way over their skis. And... You know, that's a price for the whole community to pay. It's a little bit like when Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns and Merrill Lynch got way off sides in mortgages, the the more conservative investment banks still also got hammered, right? Yeah. Everyone needs to pull money back. Confidence breaks down. Um, unlike traditional finance, we don't have a lender of last resort. There is no Fed for crypto. And <laughs> what's promising is money from outside our space is coming into these bailouts. Um, you saw Goldman Sachs trying to raise a, a distress fund. I think that'll be a good business. Um, and so that we need that money coming into the space to put a floor on the, on the prices. And then we need new narrative. And that narrative, I think, will be the Fed flinching uh, because you're seeing the economy collapse right now. And we're going to be in a recession faster than you can shake a stick. Uh, that will hopefully you know, have the Fed flinch and pause. And I think that gives Bitcoin its narrative. Um, you think, I think you think um, Bitcoin leads the way, uh, you know, at the point of a Fed flinch or pause? hundred percent. I really do. I think, I don't care if you're a Bitcoin maximalist or a, uh, or an Ethereum junkie. We all got to cheer for Bitcoin right now because without Bitcoin going up, I think the confidence in the rest of crypto is is going to be more shaken, even though in the long run they might have very little to do with each other. Right now, they are co co twins. 
Um, yeah. And Bitcoin has the bigger community and the simpler story. Right? The, the story of Bitcoin really is a macro bet against the basement of currency. Um, yeah. We might have Lightning become a payment network and that'll give it some utility. I actually think, quite frankly, Lightning makes it more confusing. Um, I think it's a macro bet on the debasement of currency. That's just a simple story. It's digital gold. And that story has been sold. People believe it. There is a community of people that are willing to work really hard to sustain. And so I kind of think Bitcoin's easier. The rest. Yeah, I think it has a, it clearly has a, well, that's what I was going to ask. It, Bitcoin has a very clear function. It works as advertised today. Mm -hmm. It feels like most of the rest of the space is still sort of in early phases, development phases, which is okay and, and good. I, I, what I else What it, else are you excited about outside of Bitcoin? Well, listen, I think know, the rest of the we, space- When it's time to get excited again. Has been a venture bet and it's playing out to, to work. I think there's there's three real buckets that you can think about, right? They're payments. Listen, in the US, Apple Pay and these other things work pretty damn well. Uh, so there's not this need for a better electronic payment system, but anything abroad, sending money abroad, remittances, uh, none of it works, right? And so I think there's a, there's a big role for crypto in payments. And mm -hmm. you know, we'll see stable coins, Bitcoin. My guess is it's a stable coin system, but we'll see. Um, I think the big use case that will hopefully lift up blockchains was a continuation of what we saw last year, which was unique digital assets on a blockchain. Right? Satoshi gave us private property on a blockchain and now we can have unique digital art, unique digital signatures, unique digital characters, unique digital experience in a metaverse, in a block, you know. And as the world becomes more and more meta, <laughs> we yeah. spend more and more time on screens and on phones. Um, listen, I could be wearing a, you know, Kanye West, designed Gap Adidas collab, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. digital jersey that I bought for, you know, two Bitcoin because it was from Kanye West uh, in the future. Right. And I mean, this is kind of the metaverse right now, you and I, I mean, I'm not in the office with you and this feels pretty digital to me. We are in the metaverse. And so yeah. you're going to have, but you're wearing normal clothes. Like we could, <laughs> we could be in the metaverse and we could right. be in like cool digital clothes or our yeah. avatars could be talking. And so I think right. that expansion, now what happened last time? That story, the story of the metaverse, the story of NFTs, the excitement around the gambling mania in, you know, NFTs were investments and they were gambling mania around it. That created the narrative to get Solana and all the other layer one blockchains rolling. Right, because we finally had a use case for, you know, the killer app for blockchains was NFTs and probably is NFTs for a while. There weren't sustainable long-term communities built around things other than the gambling. We were starting to see it. You see it with Bored Apes, right? That's a community. They're not going away. Um, but they were smaller communities. Even if you would go on, you know, Sandbox or Decentraland, hundreds of thousands of users, not hundreds of millions. And I think what you're going to see next is big media platforms, gaming platforms. So you're going to see these bigger communities. And I think you'll see faster adoption. Uh, listen, all 110 million of iHeart's users aren't going to show up there in their metaverse concerts. But you're going to get much quicker transition is my guess. Yep. Um, and so I think 
what will lead us out in terms of use case is probably that, is probably unique digital assets and media uh, gaming. Um, it doesn't mean DeFi is dead by any stretch. I think, quite frankly, DeFi has to grind through this regulatory world, but I was wildly impressed at how Compound and, and Ave and all the rest of them work during this crisis, right? The other thing I think is gonna yeah. change, and I haven't completely sorted this, is we have a lot of tokens, governance tokens for Uniswap, for instance, uh, around awesome protocols where the governance token is wonky or janky. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times it was janky because they were trying to figure out how to not be a security token and make it a utility token, but also right. try to give some economic incent to the, uh, the user. And my guess is the world will demand a cleaner link between, like there's a perfect use case for a decentralized exchange like Uniswap, which you can trade anything on, and that if I own part of that network, I should get some of those fees directly. Does that right. feel like a security token? Maybe, and maybe we just need another lane in regulation for decentralized security tokens. Um, but we shouldn't stop awesome innovation because of regulation. We should get regulation to, 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 to be to be effective and efficient around awesome innovation. I love your point about security tokens as uh, sort of a an, uh, an end state or the next development of governance tokens, because you're totally right. Um, you know, in my research and, and evaluating the space, most of the governance tokens convey very little value to their holders, right? And um, and that is for because if they do, then it's perhaps, you know, yielding an income and it's a dividend, it's a payment from the efforts of a third party. I think we'll get there though. Um, we have to get I think there. Security Otherwise this whole thing yeah. is going to be, because I think about, it, I don't want to pick on CZ because he's CZ and he's made more money and made more innovation in this space than just about anybody. But if you think about like, you know, his token, right? The, which he paid his employees in, which is actually miraculous. Uh, you know, you don't really get any of the profits of Binance. It's, he burns them if Binance does well. I, I thought about like Novo token. And I was thinking Novo token, if you own one of the 100,000 Novo tokens, you can come to the office and I can give you a kiss once a month. And most people probably <laughs> wouldn't want to come to the office and give me a kiss. Just like most people don't use his tokens right. for discounted fees. Uh, maybe my wife would show up for like a month or two and then she'd probably even get bored. Um, <laughs> but if, if Galaxy did well, we'd burn Novo tokens and Novo's on TV a lot. And so people get excited and they think they're investing in Novo and it goes up. When in reality, it has nothing to do with the profits of Galaxy. Like right. that's kind of what got done with a lot of these tokens. And it doesn't have, to me, have long-term sustainability. It just doesn't. Yeah, there um, a lot of them are really, you know, weak pseudo equity at best, right? And, and, the, and it... I think the value can really accrue and, and, and also be more useful if there is some actual, you know, And it doesn't mean there's not utility. There can be great ownership. utility. There can be great utility, right. access to something, but it's gotta be utility that people actually use and value. And so I think that will be necessary for our industry to march forward. Um, yeah. And so there's gonna be a great business in, and no one's done this brilliantly yet, there are a few businesses that do it well, but there's 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 not enough expertise around that. 
Fascinating. All right, a couple other questions. Um, you know, I want to ask about, I've got a few more, but I think you touched on CFI and DeFi, I think, a bit. Um, but I wanted to ask, given the six months that, you know, we're six months through the year, we're down, you know, big from all-time highs in crypto. I mean, we're down, I think the NASDAQ 100 is down over a third <laughs> from yeah, but its all-time you know, Crypto high. feels like it's down 80%. Yeah, put it, all it, it is. And that's, 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 so, that, that's a tremendous beat down. Yeah, it is. And, but you founded Galaxy at the end of 2017, sort of right at the, <laughs> yeah. right, right after the top of the last, the last yeah. bubble and built and built through that. Um, there wasn't nearly as much private capital looking to allocate in startups and in private equity back then. I know I was doing venture in this space during that period. Um, but there's a lot, it looks like of still dry powder this time yeah. around, what does the private market side in your mind feel like? Like, you know, is that going to, so listen, like, is that, is that good? We, there, there's a lot more building that can happen. We survived crypto winter last time because we were small. We hedged our book really, really well. Um, and so while the market was down 95%, we were down like 30 and that gave us yeah. the ability to survive. And so I think you'd have two kinds of companies, companies that, have didn't lose all their resources. Uh, hedge funds that are down 30% will survive. Hedge funds that are down 80% won't survive, um, most likely. Um, and so we're gonna, the difference between this time and last time is the industry was so much bigger, right? We were four times the size. A and the good part about that is lots got built, right, in this, in this COVID bubble, a lot of talent came in, a lot of projects got built, a lot of innovation happened. That's all good. That's not going away. Um, but I think it's going to be a bigger bloodletting of people losing jobs, of projects not, hedge funds, other projects not succeeding. And so there's going to be a lot of musical chairs. I don't think it stops the industry from growing. But I think the dislocation is going to be more painful than it was last time. Yeah, uh, there's a tremendous yeah. amount of dry powder on the sidelines. Any one of their advisors, coaches, seasoned investors would be like, "Dudes, sit on your hands. You might be buying. You know, you might be putting a convert into a busted, uh, a, a busted round from amazing companies. I mean, I mm -hmm. think not one of the." companies that got funded in the last four months of 21, first two months of 22, I don't think we'll not have a restructuring where the PREF investors, you know, get crammed down everyone else in the next round. And so there's going to be a business right. really in, in private restructurings. And there's not a lot of expertise in our community, right? Our venture community was go, go, go. And so we put up valuations on great companies to stupid levels. Doesn't mean they're not great companies. It means they raise money at really dumb levels. That has implications for employees who got their options set at $8 billion valuation at a company that now is probably worth $2 billion. And so right. how do you retain employees? How do you? And so there's a whole digestive process that has to go through that will take time. You know, is it 18 months? Is it six months? Is it, there is a process that things have to hit an equilibrium. Um, the good news is there's 10 billion plus of venture capital and it'll be right. interesting to see who can sit patiently like they should versus it burns a hole in my pocket. 
Um, yeah, that's that's what that's what really um, it's that ten billion dollar number, the amount of capital that came in and is effectively committed, even locked up to this investment thesis uh, that did not exist uh, in twenty eighteen yeah. at all. Right, but, but mean, remember, we, we came, were a decently sized fund with twenty million back then, right? My, where I worked, we came down though from like you know we had a close to a four trillion dollar market cap, right? Yeah, and now we're. 600 billion or 800 billion or something. I haven't, right. I don't, I don't even want to look. Um, <laughs> and so 10 billion is a lot, but it was, you know, the, the, this became a really big industry and yeah. you're going to see a rationalization. Um, yeah, that's, that's not a terrible thing. Actually, the best companies are built in times of turmoil and you learn, you have to do some analysis of like, where do we screw up? What are the, the way every company, including hours messed up was, well, I very much talked about Bitcoin being 80 vol or 100 vol asset. And you know, if you're a 100 vol asset, there's a two thirds chance you're at zero or you're at two if you start at one in a year. That's what 100 vol means. Uh, right. um, <laughs> none of us planned our businesses. We might have planned our market rate trading around that concept. But we didn't plan mm -hmm. our business growth around that. And so what does right. that mean practically? It means at the end of last year, if Bitcoin was 50,000, you probably should have planned your business around a Bitcoin of 30,000, not a 50, right? Like, because there's such a chance you'd right. get there. You know, we knew the Fed was starting to hike rates. We knew there was a headwind. We knew the tail was adoption. The adoption's still there. One of the promising data points we've gotten in the last five, six weeks is as we visited accounts in Europe and in the US, the institutions that aren't in aren't backing away, right? right. So you're going to see some pretty big commitments from people, both as investors and as builders, because no one, no one doesn't think the world won't have more digital assets in five years than it has now. Right. Tokenized funds, tokenized real estate, Bitcoin, unique digital assets on blockchains and net metaverse healthcare records. And so any sophisticated bank or investor I know believes in that. What's the path? What are the right bets? Much more complicated. Yeah. It's sort of like um, if you, you know, you hear this said sometimes, if you like Bitcoin at 50K, you should love it at 19K where we are right now, right? If Assuming you were doing your work, you know, like and actually loving it, not just riding a momentum well, train. But what are the one of the lessons for everybody is you're either a value investor, you're a value investor, Warren Buffett, uh, but once stock starts trading over 20 times PE, a 70 PE stock, when you're trading at growth, you're a momentum investor, nothing else. You're a macro guy. Yeah. And you can fool yourself, but like in the 2000s, you couldn't have said, I'm a, I'm, or the 99s, you know, or, uh, yeah, I'm a tech investor fundamentally. No, it was all you know wildly high PEs or even Google. Now, Fang is is a value play, right? They're right. You know, I think Facebook trades at eight times or something. Um, right. And so you can look at it differently. There was no value play in crypto, not one. Right. It was momentum. Bitcoin is the closest one you could have argued because you could have looked at it versus gold and adoption, but everything else was a play on the future. And we had no way, real way to know what valuation meant. Uh, you could look at relative valuation. I used to say, this looks really 
cheap versus Cardano, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> but it was people buying into this dream. And I think the next time up, why it's going to be harder work is we don't have the, and I'm not saying we won't have speculative mania again, right? Humans love to, to speculate, love to gamble. It's part of our DNA. But we're not going to have COVID and we're not going to have a Fed saying we're going to give everybody money. And so the preconditions for the wild bull market that we had aren't going to exist for a while. And so you're going to have to tell a story based on shit that works. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, another question here, and it goes along these same lines. And, and you know, you're, you're expecting, to be clear, the Fed will pause and blink, right? Um, because they'll get inflation under control and then there will no, be other issues? Is it, that I think there's going to be this amazing tension. So right now, everyone in politics is talking about inflation, right? It dominates. 55% right. of what people are going to vote around is inflation. And, and it's all Biden's fault because he's the president. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just the way politics works. Yeah, it's the economy, stupid. In September, my belief is all they was going to talk about is recession. We are literally going to shift the narrative from inflation to recession. Inflation is still going to be high, yeah. but it's going to be coming down. Even today's PCE number is a little lower than, than last month's. Um, we might have one more high CPI print, but then even base effects are going to make it come down. But the economy is slowing. Crude oil is a short here, not a long. Um, mm -hmm. You see it in commodity prices. Like we, we, right. And so mm -hmm. there's going to be this tension between plunging economy, which wants you to cut rates, let alone not raise them, and Powell needing to get the credibility of the Fed back and bash inflation expectations down, not just inflation. Mm -hmm. And you see break-evens and fixed income have collapsed. And so right. most likely scenario for me is the Fed hikes in July, hikes in August, and maybe pauses or gives a small hike in September and then says, hey, we're going to wait. Like that would give the macro story back to, to Bitcoin. Yeah. Again, we ha we first have to get through the rest of this deleveraging, right? Uh, and so we're not there yet, right? Yeah. When you read about people getting bailed out, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Do you think, Mike, um, just given how um, coupled Fed policy is with the success of financial markets these days, right? How, how interventionist they've been this massive liquidity injection that led to a huge everything bubble um, and now sort of pulling that liquidity away, you know, because they have to fight inflation. Is that the, I don't, I don't know if it's the question is the proper role for a central bank. It seems like they definitely wouldn't want this to be their role. Um, but no, also does this no, strengthen so, the argument for Bitcoin in general, like both the, in, the yeah, increase and listen, the If you want to be really simple about Bitcoin is anti-populists and governments tend towards populism, right? Why does that capitalism tends towards inequality and governments are there to then fight inequality in lots of ways. And so it's not the Fed's fault solely. The Fed, right. it's, it's Congress's fault. It's Donald Trump's fault for running the biggest increase in government spending in history before COVID, right? Yeah. To, he took government spending from $3 trillion to $3.9 trillion before COVID, when we had the greatest economy of all time. And when asked who's going to yeah. pay for it, he said, oh, someone else can worry about it. Like, that's fact. I'm not making that up. Right. Then Biden took over and said, hey, it's the progressives' time to 
use COVID to get our social policy done. And so that first $1.8 trillion stimulus bill wasn't needed. Fucking so much wasted and PPE in the schools and, and schools wanting to use it on shit they cared about, like books. Nope, got to buy more masks. And so there was this mm-hmm. bizarre shift of more money. And quite frankly, if it wasn't for Joe Manchin, we'd had another you know, trillion, know. trillion odd dollars in the Build Back Better bill. And I'm all for politicians listening to their people and making you know, decisions based on what they run on. It's got to be done in a context of prudent fiscal policy. And starting with Trump, we threw prudent fiscal policy out the window. We had a surplus uh, with Clinton's last term. We went from a big deficit when Reagan took over to, yeah, a, sur- to a surplus. And then we had this kind of neoliberalism in politics until Trump. And you know, Trump got elected as a populist, right? The, the, the people at the bottom, 60%, felt like capitalism wasn't working for them. And so they picked Trump. And then they flipped yep. back and they picked left. And you know, it, it, we're gonna windshield wiper back and forth until there's a new narrative that actually works for lots of people. And so that's why Bitcoin was invented originally, but as the response to this coming. And so I do think trusting you know, in math, trusting in code, uh, having a monetary policy that is literally built into the code that's really rational, um, right? It's a deflationary or anti-inflationary monetary policy. Right. It wouldn't Incredibly work. Neutral. It wouldn't work if we didn't have populist governments. If we had a really prudent government, why do you need Bitcoin? He b- yeah. built it because he knows gov- governments tend towards populism, and we're in that phase now. Listen, AOC could become the president, right? She's a populist. She's smart. She's effective. She's got a view. She represents a whole lot of people that feel left out of the system. In a, really, she's the mirror to Donald Trump, just a lot more gracious and 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 uh more articulate you know but (laughs) we're not in the center our politics aren't in the center there's 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 no fiscal prudence and again i look at joe manchin who you know my progressive friends and were really angry at for lots of reasons in some ways he's the hero of this story otherwise we'd been in more shape and so we need we need adults back in the room because it's going to be hard to i think bitcoin has a pretty big future even think about what happened in the supreme court you had three justices who sat there in their, in their um, confirmation. And I wouldn't call them liars because they didn't actually lie. They were cheeky, though. It's settled, it's settled uh, you know, case law. Okay, that's what they right. said. It, it was settled case law. They unsettled it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. That, that breaks down trust. It just yeah. does. And so as we have trust breakdown in institutions... And I'm not, you know, saying that to be inflammatory. You can tell it because you just read on Twitter that half the people don't trust them anymore. And so when the court is less trusted, it's where Satoshi's innovation is so important. You don't need to trust us. This is, it's, in, it's in the system, right? It's, it's, it's trust in the code. And yep. that, I think, makes me kind of big picture much more bullish this, this idea. This was great, Mike. I think you covered a lot of awesome topics. I totally agree with you on Bitcoin as sort of an exemplary, uh, you know, untrusting, um, you know, 
code-based system for uh, bring bring truth into the world without having to rely on um, these things. I guess the final question I would ask is in the next, maybe, you know, you've talked about rates over the next, you know, three, four months. What does the summer look like in your mind? I mean, like, you know, people used to say sell in May and go away. Uh, it doesn't we all wish like we volatility. did. We all wish we yeah, did. I know. Jesus <laughs> we, did. we It doesn't look like volatility is going down anytime soon. Are people going to be trading from the beach? I mean, is it? it no, like I, how- actually, I think you're probably wrong there. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see volumes and vols slow down. Yeah. And we will, you'll have market vol, but you're going to have less excitement as people dust themselves off and try to understand what their new reality is. Like when markets are falling as fast as they are, everyone is unsettled, right? The stock I own in my company is worth less. Oh, my PA investment is worth less. Oh, Oh, that's worth less. Oh, do I have, so there's this unsettling. You need the market to get settled. You need individuals to get settled. (sighs) Okay, I got fired. I didn't get fired. I. This is what my balance sheet looks like. I can pay my rent. Like that takes the anxiety down. That takes volatility down. And that happens naturally in every cycle. Um, and so I do think we will, we will get to that, that point. Um, the interesting news for the 18 month, two year view is there's a, a pretty interesting scenario where things are collapsing now and the Fed pauses. This would happen in 1974 and they might even cut and then inflation could take right back off. We don't understand. You don't, you're a lot younger than me. You don't understand inflation because you've never lived through it. I didn't really live through it. I got the tail end. uh, When I got to wall street rates were 9% on the way straight down. But I was, you know, I wasn't a student of markets in the seventies. And so what creates inflation expectations in people uh, is complicated, right? You, part of it's already built in the system, right? 16% of union jobs now have wages tied to CPI. So if CPI is 7%, I get 7% plus 1%. Yeah. You know, like that. And so that, the, the German labor unions used to have all of that. That's why the Germans were so cautious about inflation expectations. They lived through Weimar. Right. And so we're hoping Pal hits the silver hammer on the inflation head and it goes right back down into its little box and you know you run the jack in the box and it doesn't pop its ugly head. But there's an easy scenario that says everyone thinks the jack in the box is back in the box and all of a sudden he pops right back up and you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got inflation again. So I think this is gonna be a really, really interesting, you know, 24 months in macro. It's gonna be challenging running businesses. Um, but I think the rationale of why we got into this business from Bitcoin maxis to people who really believe in decentralized systems and unique digital assets. Like that's not going away. Navigating to where that's going to be in two years is going to be the companies, the CEOs, the teams that can do that are going to feel really good about themselves and make great, great wealth. And others are going to run into rocks and, you know, crash into the shoreline. Um, it's not going to be That's nearly great. as easy as the last 24 months where we all look like Superman. <laughs> you could throw a dart. Um, okay. I don't know. I, do, do you want to cover anything else, Mike? I mean, I think that's good for me. Um, <sighs> for, for the last day of the worst six months I've <laughs> suffered in a long time, I'm going to call it a day. It is, 
I'm going to grab a it cigar. Is. Gonna... I'm going to take a shot of either Havana Club or Habiki 21. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's been a it's been a wild six months. I can't believe it's June 30th today. You're right. Um, yeah, it does feel crazy. Like, it does crazy feel like... year so far. I think I've lost my voice in this whole thing. <laughs> All right. Alex, thanks a ton. All good. Sorry I talked too much. You too, Mike. Yep, be well. No, this was great, dude. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Yep.